Undeceptions podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. My daughter is learning to read. It's been a while since I've helped a child do this, and I think I've forgotten how hard it can be sometimes for a young reader, how strange the letters must seem on the page when you're first learning to connect their look to their sound, how letters and sounds and meanings don't always fall smoothly into place, how much work repetition can be. A lot has to happen in the brain for a person to learn to read. An astounding amount. While there are some who say reading comes naturally for most, those who research the brain and the science of reading are quick to dispel that notion. Reading is hard work. It's a complex dance between a suite of cognitive functions, all of which must work together in order for a reader to pick up a book, open it up, and read. It doesn't just happen. It has to be learned, practiced. In order to read and understand, the brain has to change. In reading, the eye scans a word or a string of words in a jolting dance of quick steps and short stops. As the eye moves or dances along a line of letters and words, the visual part of the brain decodes the images and dips into a kind of letterbox above the left ear and matches them with their sound. When all is working smoothly, the brain quickly turns the letters that spell a word, such as the letters in the word ball, into the sound for ball. A place in the brain called Wernick's area helps us understand the meaning of the word and then passes the message to its neighbor, the angular gyrus, who sweats out the connections between the look, sound, position, and meaning of the word. Meanwhile, the prefrontal cortex, just behind our foreheads, puts the working memory through its paces, remembering everything that's been read up to that point so that we can get to the point of it all. Scans of the brain reveal that even in reading a single word, the left hemisphere of the brain lights up as it's activated back to front in a rolling display of light and color. Like flashes of light roll across a sky in the high drama of a lightning storm. Of course, the brain isn't really lighting up. There aren't actual lightning bolts striking as the regions of the brain are activated. But the metaphor works, I think, to describe it that way, that a light comes on. When a child reads a stretch of words and understands them for the first time, their face can light up. 
And reading begins with light, after all. Researchers at the SUNY College of Optometry in New York City studied the effect of different sources of light on reading. And they found that natural bright light is the best source of light for stimulating the visual brain because it greatly improves what's called our contrast sensitivity. Contrast sensitivity is what helps us know what we're looking at. So we can tell the difference between the dark ink of a letter and the brightness of a page between the foreground and background of an object. In bright, natural light, our visual brain is more stimulated and our eyesight is improved. It shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to find in brighter light, things are clearer. We see better. Our reading improves. Our understanding improves. One of my favorite stories about reading, and in particular, reading outside, can be found in a book from the turn of the 5th century of the Common Era, Augustine's Confessions. Augustine was a reader, a voracious one. He read widely. He read deeply. He read everything he could get his hands on, books on rhetoric and logic, on geometry, music, mathematics. But then he asked himself this question about all his reading, all his learning, What good did it do me, utterly worthless slave of nasty lusts as I was then, that I read and understood all the books of the arts they call liberal, or worthy of a free man, or at least whichever of these books I could get hold of? I was delighted with them, but without any idea where anything true and reliable in them came from. This was because I had my back to the light, and my face to the things lighted up, the result being that my face from which I saw was lighted up, wasn't exposed to the light. Light and dark, ignorance and understanding. Augustine was on to it all at the turn of the fifth century. And one day, everything changed for him, thanks in part to reading and reading outside, to reading in the light. Being able to discern the difference between light and dark is essential for reading. And this sensitivity is also necessary for navigating our way through many things in daily life. It helps us know the difference between a shadow and the substance it represents. It helps us find our way in dim light when the contrast between objects is low. And in a figurative sense, it can help a person move through what Augustine calls the gloom of doubt. Despite all his reading and learning, Augustine was deep in such doubt. He was in agony, stuck between two ways of living between living according to his own desire and living according to the will and desire of another, God, between dark and light, ignorance and understanding. Deep in his own gloom, Augustine walked into the garden of his rental in Milan. He began to cry. But these weren't quiet, demure tears. 
He was a mess, splayed out and sobbing under a fig tree. These were ragged, vocal, bitter sobs, directed like an arrow at God. While he was crying, a small voice came singing over the garden wall. This is how he puts it. I was saying these things and weeping with agonizing anguish in my heart. And then I heard a voice from the household next door. The voice of someone, a little boy or girl, I don't know which, incessantly and insistently chanting, pick it up, read it, pick it up, read it. I got control over the onslaught of my tears and got up, construing the chant as a straightforward divine command to open a book and read the chapter I first found there. He went back through the garden and found the book he'd been reading, a book of letters written a few centuries before by the Apostle Paul. I grabbed it and opened it, and I read in silence the passage on which my eyes first fell. Don't clothe yourself in raucous dinner parties and drunkenness, not in the immorality of sleeping around, not in feuds and competition, but clothe yourself in the Master, Jesus Christ, and do not make provision for the body in its inordinate desires. He picked it up. He read it. And if a scan had been done of his brain as he did, it might have shown the left hemisphere of his brain lighting up back to front in a rolling thunder of light. And it doesn't sound like it stopped there. The light show rolled on deeper into his being, to the contrast sensitivity of his soul. All was illuminated. All was changed. And for the better, according to him. instant I finished this sentence, my heart was virtually flooded with a light of relief and certitude, and all the darkness of my hesitation scattered away. He read, and the words came alive. And in a way, he came alive. It was as if he was reading them for the first time, as though he had spent decades trying to read, and the letters and their sound and meaning all clicked into place at last. Would his story have been the same if he had stayed inside? If he hadn't gone into the garden? If he hadn't thrown himself down under that fig tree and sobbed? If the small voice of the child on the other side of the wall hadn't chanted, pick it up, read it, or if Augustine had never heard it? In terms of his story, what matters is that he picks up the book and reads the words by a light that wasn't of his own making. Instead, in a garden in Milan, on a page of the Christian scriptures, Augustine sees the light by the bright light of the sun, the light set in the sky by the loving God he comes to see as his own. The words just before the ones his eyes had landed on are these. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light.
twin miracles. The fact that learning to read changes the brain and the possibility that what you read can change your life. This is certainly the case when we learn to read the Christian scriptures and our lives in the light of God's truth and love. What would happen if we read by such a light? If we followed Augustine's lead and picked it up and read it? If we followed the example of a child learning to read and the repetition that's needed and read it and read it again and again? What might happen if we did? I guess there's only one way to find out. Undeceptions Podcast.